It'll let her rip once again on another edition of the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. How are you? Looks like we are uh, getting all the cloudy skies. I hope that we're getting all the cloudy skies out of the way before August 21st. That's my fondest wish right now. We could always reschedule the eclipse, right? <laughs> no, huh? I saw that request the, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah no, I don't think that'll work. <laughs> what, what is the rain date on that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we had a fellow talking about how uh, he's now insurance uh, selling insurance to farmers for the shade that will be thrown on the crop during that period of time. So who knows what the losses might end up being. <laughs> or the livestock confusion That's at that right. time. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> uh, it is the midday program. Let's uh, turn it on over to Joe Gangwish. We needed with insurance on the uh, people confusion during that time too well Well, in ag news uh, residents in the fremont area voicing their concerns over that new costco chicken plant in fremont we'll see what they had to say at a meeting this week also epa administrator scott pruitt visited with ag officials and farmers in iowa yesterday we'll talk about that at 12 13 in our 12 19 segment jesse harding with randy shanks vice president of sales with nutriblend and president of farming to fight hunger they will discuss the sawyer brown concert at the Missouri State Fair and now how that will help fight hunger. Uh, our newsmaker segment today, I'll visit with Brock Vedrick of Lyons, also Kelly Machino of Spencer and Lydia Vinton of Arthur County, three of Nebraska State FFA officers. They were here in-house this morning, took the tour. Uh, you don't want to call them kids. They're young adults. Mm-hmm. So, But three great young adults, and we'll hear from them at 1245. Shaley Peters has our 117. As she talked to Governor Pete Ricketts yesterday of Nebraska, they are in Canada on their trade mission. So did you give them the nickel tour or the dime tour? Well, they were here a little longer, so I'll call it the dime tour. Excellent. All right. Well, they deserved it, I'm sure. But never the quarter tour. That's, well, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, they had a schedule to keep, so oh, not wow. the quarter tour. The quarter tour includes the basement. Well, we've all been there. <laughs> Yes, no, we have. Not everybody. <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> we've, all, we've all looked for it. Yeah. Put it that way. Brandon Bennett's in sports. One of those things that uh, the NCA never sleeps. Of course, during the school year, the NCA is busy monitoring sports, but even during the summer session, the NCA is busy crunching numbers. Big Ten Conference once again led the nation in men's basketball attendance. Forget this, the 41st consecutive season. Whoa. So, as much as Nebraska is a football state, well, Nebraska came in 11th nationally with the men's average attendance of 15,427 fans. And even in the the Division II ranks, UNK men's basketball team ranked 7th nationally, while the UNK women ranked 9th nationally with an average of 1,400 fans. So fans wow. showing up for football and basketball throughout the state. You cannot complain with those numbers. Not at all. Holy Not at all. Smack. That's nice. All right. Very good. Brandon will have more sports. Bob Brogan has business. Stocks are lower at mid day as investors weighed the growing tensions between the U.S. and North Korea. And, and you know, there's a lot going on right now, and uh, we'll uh, have to sort that all out before <laughs> the market sorts itself out. Where that's going, I don't know. Hackers increasingly look to shut down factories for ransom. That's a scary, scary thought. Wow. And uh, so those online thieves are busy as we speak. And Frito-Lay is getting in on New York's restaurant week by opening up a pop-up eatery with a menu full of Cheetos-themed cuisine. Me first. I'll take it. Absolutely. All that and more coming up today on Midday. 
Frank Paul Perkins in. Talk a little weather here for you. Brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. What have you for us, sir? Well, we're going to stay cool and then settle for a while here. Can't rule out that it's going to not rain, but we can't rule out that it will rain either. So, <laughs> Oh, that's a, nothing like a little equivocation in the weather department. Exactly. It's yeah. just we're going to keep seeing these passing disturbances kick up some rain and thunderstorm activity. Right now, that rain and thunderstorm activity moving through the western, western part of Nebraska's panhandle and also into eastern Nebraska. Into eastern Nebraska, currently that rain from about West Point down to in between Columbus and Fremont. In between York and Lincoln on the interstate there, then it kind of curves back towards around Beatrice and Concordia. That activity moving off towards the east. Also, a little more light rain starting to move out of the Nebraska Panhandle, the southern portion of the Nebraska Panhandle, and starting to approach west-central Nebraska. So some rain chances will continue in the forecast as, once again, those mainly weak disturbances track east and southeast. The thunderstorm chances today in northern Nebraska exist right near a front. Better chances today across central locations, but mainly light rainfall totals if you do get some rain. A few of the storms may be severe from about central Nebraska to northwest Kansas later on today when we start to see a little more heating of the day. Currently, those temperatures in many areas in the low to mid-70s. We still have some mid-60s, though, as you head towards Grand Island and Hastings to around the York area. Thunderstorm chances will taper off by midnight tonight. A cool front for tomorrow will drop to the south. That will give us even more thunderstorm chances. And the severe weather threat does ramp up a little bit for tomorrow. We will see that higher threat of severe weather tomorrow over northwest and north-central Kansas on into northeast Colorado, where there is a slight risk for severe storms. And everybody could see the potential of some severe weather but once again the better chances northwest and north central kansas into northeast colorado forecast models are in pretty good agreement for some thunderstorm chances as we head towards friday night through saturday night many locations over the next seven days should receive around an inch of rain total could see some locally higher amounts, maybe upwards of around 3 inches if you're lucky enough. Some small thunderstorm chances stay in that forecast through early next week with these passing disturbances. So once again, the better chances coming later today, also tomorrow with that front, and then Friday night through Saturday night. In the long term, the trend of cooler than normal temperatures looks to continue, and most likely just slightly cooler than normal in Nebraska and Kansas Monday through August 21st. So it doesn't look like it's going to be overly warm for the eclipse on August 21st, but it also doesn't look like it's going to be a chilly day. Nebraska and Kansas also forecast to see above normal rainfall from Monday through August 22nd. Now keep in mind that does not mean it will always rain, especially on the day of the eclipse, especially during the middle of the day when it will occur. But that does mean, though, Dirk, premiums for the idea of Dave Thorell's proposed <laughs> eclipse insurance will be higher. So I'm, I don't know if he's still working on the patent for that idea or getting it approved by the state yeah. to get that sold around. I don't, we'll, we'll Sounds want. like a get-rich-quick deal to me, Greg, but I don't know. He's always scheming, even when he's in retirement, huh? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> there you go. In the markets, weather factors affecting trade include cool weather, And some rain in the western Corn Belt and Canadian prairies and moisture for the southern plains wheat area. Most of the country will experience cool weather and occasional rain. Periods of heavy rain will develop across the central and southern plains and 
mainly across Kansas, Oklahoma, and northern Texas. Lighter rains are forecast for the northern plains and upper Midwest. Much of Montana, unfortunately, will remain exceedingly dry. Cooler weather will be favorable in most of the Midwest, especially in those drought-stressed areas of south and west Iowa. More rain would also benefit parts of Illinois. Early next week, there are some good chances for rain across the Corn Belt, but it still may be limited right here in Nebraska and also in south and west Iowa. Cooler weather in the northern plains will ease the stress to their late-filling corn and soybeans as the drought conditions continue. In the southern plains, moderate to heavy rain this week will benefit conditions just ahead of planting red ribbon wheat next month. And just some limited rain chances are forecast for the Canadian prairies where there's major losses to spring wheat from the hot and dry weather of the last month. Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranking dealer. And a quick reminder for you that if you need to check into Eclipse Insurance, the number is 1-800-DAVE-RETIRE. 1-800-DAVE-RETIRE. Uh, I think it probably could get quite a little traction here before we begin. Yeah, exactly, especially if people are itching for it to be a good day that day. Yeah. <laughs> Might be. When you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. WASDE report coming out tomorrow. Lots of analysts taking a look. Let's look at ag news here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish. Analysts are expecting forecasters to lower their U.S. corn and soybean yield estimates amid one of the most erratic growing seasons we've seen in years. USDA will likely forecast a national corn yield of 166 per acre on corn. And, uh, and that will come out uh, in a monthly supply-demand report uh, in the WASDE on uh, tomorrow. Uh, and that's according to the survey of analyst estimates from the Wall Street Journal. That's down from its July estimate of 170.7 bushels per acre and well below 2016's big crop of 174.6. Lower corn yields expected to cut into production estimates, which analysts see USDA reducing to 13.8 billion bushels. And in July, the agency forecast 14.25 billion while 2016 production came in at 15.14 billion. Now, some analysts nevertheless say that any corn yield estimate above 165 won't be enough to curb a global grain glut and likely will pressure prices. Analysts expect USDA to forecast a soybean yield of 47.4 bushels per acre, also down from its July estimate of 48 and below last year when soybeans yielded a big 52 bushels per acre yield. The agency's soybean production estimate expected at 4.2 billion bushels as a result. That'd be down from July's 4.26 estimate and 4.307 billion. That was last year. Now, August reports usually the first of the season to have an infield survey tagged on to it. Well, some residents in eastern Nebraska calling for a delay in the construction of Costco's planned chicken processing plant, arguing that the plant could hurt air quality. About 75 people attended a Nebraska Department of Environmental Quality public hearing yesterday in regard to a proposed air quality construction permit. The planned Costco Lincoln Premium Poultry Facility in Fremont includes the processing plant, feed mill, and hatchery. Many residents asked the agency to deny or reevaluate the proposed permit. They also raised concerns about how the facility would affect residents with respiratory conditions such as asthma or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Shelly Schneider is an environmental engineer at the department. She says the agency found the facility would be in compliance with state and national ambient air quality standards. Well, the final day for the Nebraska Grazing Conference that's taking place today in Kearney. Our very own Jesse Harding is there. 
The conference is two days, and Dr. Darren Redford, forage and cropping specialist with UNL Extension, says what topics are covered. Yesterday, uh, we had Jim Garish. Uh, he was only here for one day, so so he uh, talked a little bit, and well, not a little bit. He, he gave a pretty good presentation yesterday morning uh, on uh, fencing and water development. And then last night, uh, he talked more in a workshop format for a little over two hours on some of the specifics to think about and, and cost and materials as, as you're looking at developing some of these fencing and water systems. We also had a, a couple of uh, talks yesterday on, on, as we talked about earlier, managing uh, some of these uh, wildlife areas, primarily grassland birds and, and game birds through grazing management and how to approach some of those activities. The conference ends around 3 p.m. today in Kearney. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. And U.S. EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt expected to visit 26 states in all before undertaking an eventual overhaul of the waters of the U.S. rule. He was in Iowa yesterday. Craig Hill with Iowa Farm Bureau said during a news conference after the meeting that Pruitt emphasized the need for cooperative federalism and to put a place or put in place a rule that easily understood by farmers and ranchers. That's our Ag News. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Coming up later this week at the Missouri State Fair is going to be a unique opportunity. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Randy Shanks. He's the Vice President of Sales with NutriBlend and also President of the nonprofit Farming to Fight Hunger. Randy, before we talk about the Missouri State Fair and the opportunities coming up on Thursday, why don't you tell us a little bit on Farming to Fight Hunger, your roles there, and what that nonprofit's able to do? Well, hello, Jesse, and thank you for having me. Farming to Fight Hunger is a nonprofit organization devoted to helping promote the positive image and the understanding of the agriculture industry through media while raising awareness of domestic and global hunger and helping people to understand the role we in agriculture play in feeding a hungry world and to help society and the community understand that advancements in agriculture shouldn't be feared but rather embraced because today our agriculture industry provides a safer, more affordable, more sustainable, healthier, more nutritious food supply than ever before. So we should embrace these technology advancements, not fear them. Farming to Fight Hunger has a great partnership with Sawyer Brown, able to help bring notice to your guys' cause. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that partnership between the two of you? Sawyer Brown's a legendary country group that's been together for 35 years. They're, they have all kinds of awards and have been famous for a long, long time. We actually hired them to do a concert for us about four and a half years ago, and at that concert, they saw some of our memorabilia for Farming to Fight Hunger and Drive to Feed Kids, and they asked about it, explained to them what it is that we were doing, and Mark Miller, the lead singer to Sawyer Brown, had a tear in his eye and says, man, we would love to help you guys however we could, and he gives me his personal cell phone number. He says, you call me anytime, day or night. We, we would be honored if we could help you promote the good word of agriculture and to help feed hungry kids. And since that time, um, they have been invaluable in helping us do all kinds of things to raise awareness about hunger, to raise awareness about the advancements that we've made in uh, 
in agriculture and to help us raise money for this cause. They've been a great sponsor. And that is what brings us to the Missouri State Fair on Thursday. The band is going to be having a concert there. Why is this one so special, especially with Farming to Fight Hunger? The Missouri Farmers Association has, is putting together a drive to feed kids events to raise money to feed the food insecure children in the state of Missouri. And Sire Brown is coming in to do a benefit concert at the Missouri State Fair to raise money to feed food insecure children in Missouri. And they anticipate raising at least $250,000 at this event that they're, that they're hosting this week. And again, at the Missouri State Fair, the Sawyer Brown concert will be this coming Thursday at 7.30 p.m. And again, they are helping to raise some funds for farming to fight hunger. We've been talking with Randy Shanks. He's the vice president of sales with NutriBlend and also president of the non-for-profit Farming to Fight Hunger. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to check sports with Brandon Bennis. Good afternoon, Dirk. The Big Ten Conference led the nation in men's basketball attendance for the 41st consecutive season, according to figures just released by the NCAA. The Big Ten recorded an average attendance of 12,235 fans per game, including home games and all seven sessions of the Big Ten men's basketball tournament. In addition, the Big Ten led all conferences with a home and conference tournament total of just over 3.1 million fans, the third consecutive season eclipsing 3 million in total attendance. Eleven conference schools ranked among the top 37 in average attendance. Wisconsin led the Big Ten and ranked sixth nationally with an average of 17,286 fans per game, while Nebraska came in 11th nationally with an average of 15,427 fans per game. In the Division II ranks, the University of Nebraska Kearney men's basketball team ranked seventh nationally in attendance, while on the women's side, five MIAA schools ranked in the top ten nationally, including UNK, who came in ninth with an average of 1,413 fans per game. A Florida prosecutor says Tiger Woods has agreed to plead guilty to reckless driving and will enter a diversion program that will allow him to have his record wiped clean if he successfully completes the entire program. Woods was charged with driving under the influence in May when he was found asleep in his Mercedes-Benz, apparently under the influence of a prescription painkiller and sleeping medication. No alcohol was found in his system. Prosecutor Adrian Ellis said the golf superstar agreed to plead guilty to a lesser charge of reckless driving at a hearing and enter the county's program for first-time DUI offenders. Under this plea deal, prosecutors would then drop the DUI charge. If Woods completes the diversion program, he can then ask a judge to expunge the reckless driving conviction. Woods did not appear at the Palm Beach County Courthouse for his arraignment this morning. His attorney, Douglas Duncan, entered a not guilty plea to the DUI charge on Woods' behalf and declined comment as he left the courthouse. And the Atlanta Falcons have agreed to terms on a five-year contract extension with running back Devontae Freeman. The deal was announced this morning on the eve of the team's preseason opener at Miami. While terms have not been released, the deal is expected to make Freeman one of the NFL's highest-paid running backs. During his three seasons with the Falcons, the Miami native has racked up 2,383 yards, including back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons in 2015 and 16. 
His 3,175 total yards over the past two seasons ranks second in the NFL behind his own teammate, Julio Jones. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is just ahead. You're listening to the Rule Radio Network. There is a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 4 o'clock today, partly sunny with a high near 80. Tonight, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 7, some patchy fog in the morning, otherwise partly cloudy with a low of around 59. And then for Thursday, a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms mainly after 1, highs around 78, northwest winds at 5 to 10. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Despite the move to alternative fuels and the increase of hybrid and electric automobiles, U.S. demand for gasoline is at a record high, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Jonathan Kogan has more. U.S. consumers are buying record amounts of gasoline this summer, even though pump prices are slightly higher than last year. In its new short-term forecast, the U.S. Energy Information Administration said gasoline demand during July reached a record 9.7 million barrels per day. At the same time, the average price for regular-grade gasoline in July was six cents higher than a year ago. For the entire summer driving season, gasoline is forecast to average $2.37 a gallon, up 14 cents from last summer. A growing economy and more people working are major contributors to higher gasoline consumption. Preliminary data shows U.S. gasoline exports also hit a record high in July of 600,000 barrels per day, with many shipments headed for markets in Mexico and South America. Jonathan Kogan for EIA, Washington. The EIA reported that gas prices were up by over two cents last week. The USDA has only one confirmed position. Jesse Harding has more on some of the potential issues this creates. With trade negotiations starting and work on the 2018 Farm Bill, it is providing difficulty, said Representative Roger Marshall of Kansas, who also sits on the House Agriculture Committee. We have one person in place, so Sonny Perdue is the only person in USDA that's been confirmed, and we have two more that have been nominated, leaving 15 or 16 seat, uh, spots open. So he sure is a huge concern, and it's just not in that department. It's in every department right now. The Senate has been very slow to uh, get these going. Uh, it's a huge problem for the USDA, and particularly in, in trade. Well, the USTR has been uh, confirmed as well, so we have two spots. So you're, you're spot on. It's a huge concern. Uh, I'm glad the Senate is there and working. Maybe they can get caught up with us on the House side. Representative Marshall will start Farm Bill listening sessions on August 18th. More information on dates, times, and locations can be found at RollRadio.com. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Some residents in eastern Nebraska are calling for a delay in the construction of Costco's planned chicken processing plant. They say air quality could be hurt by the planned Costco Lincoln Premium Poultry Facility in Fremont. The Nebraska Department of Environmental Quality held a public hearing Tuesday about an air quality permit for the facility, and about 75 people attended. Many residents have asked the agency to deny or reevaluate the proposed permit. Get your news fast and first when you like our Facebook page from the KRVN News Center. I'm Scott Foster. 
Joe Gangwish back with you here on the Roll Radio Network. In studio today, we have some Nebraska State FFA officers there touring the KRVN studios of the Roll Radio Network today. And we're going to introduce uh, to you three of those state officers. And we're going to start with Brock. And I'll have each of you go through and, and say your names, where you're from, and a little bit about yourself. So we'll get introduced to you. So, uh, Brock, you're up first. Thank you, Joe. Good morning, everyone. I am Brock Vitek from Lyons, Nebraska, the Lyons Decatur Northeast FFA chapter up there, the northeastern part of the state. And I am serving as one of five state vice presidents this year with the association. A little about me, I'm an only child coming from a town of 850. I've grown up in the family construction business, and I will be attending UNL here next week to major in plant biology. Really excited for what's to come. Well, we're glad to have you here, Brock. Okay, well, Kelly, you're up next. Yeah, of course. So I'm Kelly Mashino um, from the West Boyd FFA chapter, Spencer, Nebraska, up north there. A um, little bit about me. Uh, I'm serving as a Nebraska FFA state vice president, one of the five. Um, I grew up on a family farm and ranch, very passionate about farming, about agriculture. Um, I am extremely excited to be here this year and serve as one of the SIT officers to our members. Um, I'm also going to be attending UNL and majoring in agricultural communications. So. All right. Great. Great. Lydia? Awesome. Hi. I am Lydia Vinton. I am from Arthur County originally, but I went to school in Mullen, so the Mullen FFA chapter, that's my home chapter. Um, I am serving as the state secretary this year for Nebraska FFA. I will also be attending the University of Nebraska at Lincoln this fall, majoring in plant biology. And a little bit about me, um, I grew up on my family's ranch, which is a cow-calf operation, Black Angus, right in the middle of the Sandhills. So very excited to be here. All right, let's, uh, this is a question for any of you. Let's start with uh, why you take these tours and, and what brings you to our studios today. Yeah, so... Um, this whole week we're doing business and industry visits, so our whole team is out across the state right now. We split up half and half. Um, so right now we're yeah, here with you and um, learning about all these businesses and what they do, um, and then in turn giving them some um, ideas of what Nebraska FFA is doing. And so really what we hope to do is just thank these people and um, for their sponsorships, for their support. Um, we're also meeting with some donors over the week t- that are um, s- supporting FFA. So well, that, That's great. You guys will have fun this week. So, so Brock, let me go back to you. What have you seen so far? What have you in- enjoyed? I've been to a lot of businesses. I've really enjoyed interacting with people out in the industry, something that we're not always able to do um, from just being in office. But it's been wonderful to get out there and see all the sponsors and everything they do. I've truly been inspired by all of the passion, commitment, and dedication I've seen with all these people serving agriculture all across. Lydia, I want to start with you, and we'll go through all of you again on this question. But uh, what attracted you to FFA and wanting to serve as a state officer? Awesome, yeah. So I uh, was attracted to FFA probably because, well, I live in the middle of cow-calf country, God's country, the Sandhills, you know, great place. But I grew up with agriculture, and uh, I knew I wanted to go into an agricultural-based field. For a long time, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian, but as I grew up, you know, things change. But my decision to be a state officer really happened this year, my senior year, and I did not think I wanted to be a state officer right at the beginning of the year. I was like, no way. I don't want to take time off in college to do all this stuff, but I'm so glad I decided to run. My teacher had a large part in influencing me, my family, and a bunch of my friends. So I'm 
so glad I had this opportunity, and I've just had an amazing time as a state officer so far. Yeah, Kelly, how about you? Yeah, so I'm a little different than Liddy, where she just decided this past year that she wanted to do this. I've actually wanted to run all through high school. It's been something that I've been really looking forward to doing, and so I'm really, um, I'm really glad that I, I am here, and I'm really um, glad to be serving Nebraska FFA. I originally be, um, became a member because of my older siblings. I have three other sisters, but two older ones that were in FFA and were pretty involved. And so that's what sparked my interest was I knew what it did for them and I wanted to see what route I could take and pave my own way. And so that's how I got started. And then um, I ran just like I had planned and um, I was prepared for it to go either way. And now here I am, but I'm extremely thankful to be where I am. Yeah, so. from talking to you guys when you first got here, you still had goosebumps from when you were uh, were announced as state <laughs> officers that night at that convention. Yeah. So you guys are still pretty excited. So, so Brock, uh, tell us about that. Thank you, Joe. My story is a little different than Kelly's, I guess. I actually almost didn't join FFA, but it was the summer between my 8th grade and ninth grade year, and the chapter's advisor, Kevin Anderson, he sends out letters to all the upcoming freshmen and it was the handwritten note he had on the bottom that said, I hope to see you in August. That really got me thinking, you know, I need to try this FFA thing out. <laughs> and, yeah, here we are today. And I was hooked right away. My first event I ever went to was district dairy judging. And ever since then, I've just enjoyed it so much. I've been able to get so much out of FFA. It's really brought me out of my shell. And I know I wouldn't be going for the major of the career I am without it. It's really helped me to develop a passion for agriculture. And I really appreciate that. And in terms of state office, uh, similar to Lydia, I did not think I was going to run. I actually submitted the application the day it was due, filled it out <laughs> like three days before it was due. I had my mind made up. I was not going to run. It wasn't the path I wanted to follow, and here we are today. I'm happy I made the decision to run. It's been a blast. I've learned so much serving the members of the state, and I really appreciate agriculture in Nebraska and all that it does for us. That was Brock Vitek of Lyons, Nebraska, Kelly Mashno from Spencer, also Lydia Vinton from Arthur County, three of Nebraska's FFA state officers this year. They stopped by to tour the Rural Radio Network studios. We'll have the entire interview. There's even more to this. We'll have it all on the podcast page at ruralradio.com. I'm Joe Gangwish. on the Rural Radio Network, and we're joined by Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, a tale of two cities today, actually two different commodities. Tell us. Yeah, cattle on the downside, hogs on the upside. Yeah, it was kind of a tough day on the uh, cattle. Uh, we finished uh, limit uh, down in the August through uh, the uh, January contract in the feeders, and uh, over two dollars lower in the, most of the cattle, so it it was a pretty tough day. And uh, cattle started trading at uh, uh, as, as much as three dollars lower, as I understand, than uh, last week. So uh, that really put the kibosh on the market. And uh, then you throw in the cutouts being lower at noon too. It just wasn't much uh, much to hold on to anymore. And uh, down we came. So. Uh, we've been seeing liquidation all week, and uh, uh, I think today will show basically the same. On the other hand, the hogs doing pretty well, a little bit higher through the uh, April contract of uh, next year, and basically taking the uh, discount out of the uh, market, 
cash seems to be steady uh, uh, today. Uh, cutouts were off again a little bit, but uh, uh, nothing uh, drastic. And uh, uh, the market's still trying to close those gaps that we've uh, left. We're getting pretty, cl- pretty close now with the August to the index, uh, which will expire uh, uh, next Monday afternoon. So uh, pretty good day for the hogs. Not a very good day for the cattle. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Call him at 800-328-0134. I'm Dewey Nelson. Shaley Peters joining you now here on the Rural Radio Network. And our very own governor, Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts, is in Canada getting things going yesterday. And Governor Ricketts, talk about, first and foremost, what are you doing up in Canada and how long will you be there? Right, we're going to be here uh, all week. We'll be coming back to Nebraska on Friday. And what it is, it's really a chance to say to our largest customer, because our biggest trading partner is Canada, the tune of about $1.6 billion every year, about uh, $478 million of that is actually from agriculture. And we're saying thank you for the business. We want to let our best customers know we appreciate the relationship and certainly looking for opportunities to be able to uh, open up new connections and expand the trade relationship even further. I know ag is a big part of that, and you've got some representatives for agriculture on the trip with you. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So Mark McCarg, who is the first vice president of the Farm Bureau, is here with us, as is Eric Kamler, who is with the Corn Board, and Galen Frenzen, who is the president-elect of Nebraska Cattlemen. And again, agriculture is a great example of how well, uh, for example, NAFTA has worked. And so we wanted to be up here to let folks know that as we go through, uh, for example, the, uh, the talks with NAFTA that are scheduled to start on August 16th, that there's been a lot of great things working in NAFTA. It's been especially good uh, trade agreement for Nebraska. Certainly, there's lots of opportunities for us to be able to improve that agreement, but we want to continue that relationship with Canada. I know you certainly had a busy first day. Go into some of the meetings that you are in and some of the people you're meeting with, what you're hoping to accomplish with these. Yeah, for example, we had a chance to meet with Michael Chan, who's the... Uh, Ontario Minister for International Affairs and part of his one of his team members is very involved with the NAFTA talks that are about getting ready to start and so it was a chance for us to exchange perspectives and views on where we can improve NAFTA so for example I think there's a lot of things with regard that have changed over the last 23 years since NAFTA was signed you know if you think about something like e-commerce didn't really exist uh, when this agreement was signed that's a place to create some win-wins for both the United States and Canada um, there's other areas where we can look for improvements. For example, uh, some of the policies that Canada has with regard to the dairy industry or how we do dispute resolution. So those are opportunities for um, improvements in this agreement going forward. I'm sure you received a warm welcome. What's the Canadian perspective? You know, we've heard a lot about uh, the American side of things as far as NAFTA is concerned, but what, what are the Canadians' perspective while you're up there? Their perspective is, you know, the quote, their phrase, they want to do no harm. Uh, obviously, they're very happy with the relationship, and uh, we're each other's biggest trading partners, and they certainly see that that's an important relationship that they want to maintain as well. I think they're uh, really looking to see how this develops with the uh, Trump administration and what sort of things you're going to get into in detail when those talks begin on the 16th. But I think we can all agree that this has been really very successful for uh, both countries, and We want to make sure that we continue to build on that foundation for the future as we improve the overall uh, agreement between our countries. All right. And anything additionally you're looking forward to while you're in Canada on your trade mission this week, Governor? Well, one of the things we'd like to see is make connections with companies that are looking to invest in Nebraska. 
In fact, uh, at the reception we had this evening, I had a chance to talk to one of those companies that's thinking about investing in Nebraska. And we want to look for additional opportunities like that so that if Canadian companies are looking, for example, to manufacture something in the United States and they're looking for a great location with great people, obviously we've got curb access to transportation being centrally located, that this would be a great opportunity for them to get started in the United States by putting a facility in Nebraska. All right. Thanks so much, Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts, talking from his trade mission going on up in Canada. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we closed higher in corn and wheat mixed in soybeans. John Payne with us from Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Here we are a day before a USDA report, and it looked like a low-volume trading day. Yeah, boy, you said it very, very slow. Um, it's just a little bit in the, the wheat markets that perked up there midday, but from a range standpoint, it's just hard to hard to get excited one way or the other. Um, I will say, don't don't think that the market is going to move based off of the report tomorrow. I mean, we could get a bearish number and have the market rally. Last year, we had a 175 released by the USDA in this August report, and we actually rallied 15 cents after it happened. So, I think you know, given the action in cattle. And the dollar not rallying on this North Korea news, I think there's there's substantial amount of upside here in corn if if things would change, and especially soybeans as well. Uh, that might be the the better play if you really want to be bullish. Uh, model runs released this morning showed that uh, you know the I states are going to have some some dry spells ahead. We're still looking at a at a pretty dry forecast. If this thing was you know 85 90 degrees out in these parts, we'd probably be I don't know at least above four bucks. I'd imagine. Yeah. Now, we're with John Payne of Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Crude oil, uh, I guess that's a positive sign when we're getting near that $50 mark in the futures trade. Yeah, I, I think the outside commodity markets have, have shown that there there's some potential here. Copper uh, above 292, 290 now. It's that that's a market we like to follow. That that's up just since the the first of July. We were 250 on, on the, going into the fourth of July weekend, and we're you know 40 cents higher there. There's some bullishness. I think the dollar too. And I mentioned earlier the the North Korea situation. I'm not you know going to pretend to be an expert on on what's going on over there, but the the fact that all the saber rattling is going on and we're seeing the dollar not rally, you should see a push into cash if uh, if the dollar was going to strengthen. I think we would have seen it higher already, and that could also be something that we can lean on uh, for for down the road, being bullish um, demand and uh, probably some some incentive for some supply. Uh, so I you know tomorrow. Whether it's bearish or bullish, I still think if this thing falls into the you know the low 170s, uh, it's it's worth a shot to get get long or get out of hedges if you've got them on. On the bean side, I I don't even know if we'll see that low run again. I I, I don't think the report tomorrow is going to be that big of a deal for beans. I think the weather is where I'm more concerned. You know, we've gone backwards quite a bit here in Illinois and Iowa the last two weeks, and, and like I said, the temperatures are, are cool. If they were warm, I think you'd see these these conditions really fall. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, and you can go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network.